Good afternoon, everybody. It's really nice to be with you all again. Um, welcome to Live at Five from Christchurch. Really great to have you uh, with us. Um, let us know if you're with us in the live comment section. Um, if you've uh, just tuned in for the first time or you're not quite sure what you've tuned into, uh, my name's Jude and I work at Christchurch um, along with the pastoral team and we're going to be joined by them later, um, Ash and Paul. Um, and we're try going to try and do our best to do church on social media. It's not our preferred way of doing it. We'd much rather be with you in person, but we're going to do our best to um, uh, give you the flavour of church and meet with you. Um, we, one of the things we believe is that God's with us when we meet together. So even when we're meeting online, um, it's really nice to have you. Hello to everyone who's uh, already commented. It's really, it's really good to have you here. So today, uh, coming up, um, we'll have um, some notices about what's going on in church. Um, we'll be doing some praying. Um, we're going to have a talk from Ash from the Bible a little bit later on. Um, a bit of chat from the pastoral team at the end of that. So if you've got any questions or anything like that, be sure to write them down. And we're hopefully going to have some music as well, which we didn't manage to do last week. But we're hoping that we'll be able to... Uh, join you in music as well. Um, one of the things that we were we really enjoyed doing with you last week was the five words. So I don't know if you had um, five words uh, ready for us this week. Make sure you send them in. There's ways to get in touch with us during the broadcast. So obviously you can comment in the live stream um, on Facebook. Um, just search Christchurch Escape on Facebook. On Twitter, we are at XChurch. So join us at XChurch on Twitter. And then we have an email if you'd rather your comments were private. And you can get us at hello at xchurch.org.uk. That's hello at xchurch.org.uk. And you can see that all on the screen over there. How cool is that? Very good. Let me uh, bring you some notices about what's going to be happening over the next week or so, even whilst we're apart. Uh, and in the meantime, be thinking about your five words, because I'm just going to be coming to that to that soon. And um, hopefully you'll have got our email. Um, our email is uh, now happening weekly instead of fortnightly. So make sure you subscribe to your email because anything important um, will be will be on there. Ash did a nice blog for the email this week um, and that will keep you up to date with everything that's happening at church. There's some prayer points. We'd really love if prayer was one of the things that marked us out during this time that we really committed these really uncertain and scary times um, to God in prayer and uh, one of the things we've done in the life in the email this week is we put in some kids uh, activities and I thought I'd just let you have a little look at this um, the kids this week have been uh, asked to be thinking about how God protects us we're thinking about all the protection that the NHS staff are wearing and we were thinking about the armour of God which is how uh, God asks us to protect ourselves. And uh, this is their interpretation of the armour of God. I don't know what you think of that. Maybe you can give that a thumbs up or a, or a love if you, like, <laughs> if you like that. But I think these two drawings are awesome. So good work, kids. Thanks for being part of our church community as we um, are separate. Um, and uh, yeah, really good job. And the other thing that's coming up this week that you can grab a hold of is um, the book club is meeting on Thursday. That's Thursday will be in April by then, the 2nd of April, and it's at half seven. Um, and we'll be doing that on Facebook as well. If you want to get in touch with the Facebook group that meet that, just message us on the ways I've already described. The book that they are reading this week is Mere Christianity, um, which is a bit of a Christian classic but it's open to criticism. I think that's the whole point of book club that we're debating and critiquing and hopefully having some really constructive conversations about that. So book club this week at 7.30. Um, Will, who runs book club, did a great blog this week on the previous book that they've that they read. So if you want to read a good book review, make sure you uh, check out Will's blog on the email. 
And if you want to read this book for this week, Mere Christianity, I am told on good authority that uh, it's only a pound bargain price, um, a pound on Kindle. And you don't even need to have a Kindle. You can actually just download the Kindle app um, and see how you got on with that. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I have more apps on my phone because of coronavirus than I than I ever used to. So why not make Kindle another app that you download and uh, we'll get um, get that book, Mere Christianity, on. Apparently, if you read about a chapter a day from now till Thursday, you'll be well into it and you'll be able to contribute positively to the conversation. Okay. I don't know if we've got any five words coming in. Uh, I'd love to see your five words of how you're getting on through coronavirus. What are your five words that sum up your week um, this week? It's an interesting idea, this five words. We've got uh, the, just the idea that we can give testimony in a few words um, to how our week's going on. There was one that came through last week that we didn't pick up until um, after the live feed had gone, but it was one from one of the younger members of our church, and I thought it was worth sharing with you. Um, their five words, bless them, were tired, tired, bored, hungry, sad, and claustrophobic, which is quite a few, that's quite a, a heavy, heavy duty going um, five words, tired, bored, hungry, sad, claustrophobic. And whilst I would never probably admit to that publicly, I, I hear you, that, that at some points in this week, that has also been uh, words that I could identify with. Thanks for sending them in. Um, one of the other ones that has come through to us uh, this week, another statement of testimony. Let me see if I can, God's love, a secure truth. God's love, a secure truth. There is so much uncertainty, isn't there, in these moments, but God's love, a secure truth, um, is a good one. We've had another one just come in on the live feed. Um, five words. What day is it today? I hear you. <laughs> that's a that's a good one. Um, yeah, we're still in March, I think. And I know it's Sunday because we're live at five, but that's basically all, all I know and uh, the only point that we've got to. And then we've had another one. We miss all of you. Oh, thank you. We miss you too. Um, and I'm sure that is shared uh, throughout throughout the church. Uh, we hope that you're staying well. We know that for some of you, this is a chance to rest and restore a little bit. And uh, you're at home and things might seem a bit more a calmer pace. But for some of you, life has gone really mental and you're busy and work is busier than ever and working from home seems all consuming. We hope that today, as we get to do um, church together on social media, that this will be a real place of sanctuary for you, that this will feel like a place of rest and restoration and peace. And so uh, that's, our, that's our prayer for you today. I'm gonna to invite Paul to join me on the screen now. Hopefully that will work. Um, and uh, hi, Paul. Hiya. Paul is also part of our pastoral team. And Paul, I wonder, would you just lead us in prayer just about some of the things that we've thinking about as we start yeah, today? Thanks. For sure. It's great that we can pray. And um, I'm sure many of you will be praying at this really unsettling time. But even though we're in different places, it's great that we can pray together. And so let's pray. Father, we are so aware of the situation in the world at this time and we know that it's fearful but you've taught us how to pray and so we remember father that you are our father in heaven and we pray that at this unprecedented time for the world that your will will be done and that we will look to you that we will place our trust in you we're so aware that um, many of our friends, our families, were not in touch with in the way that we would want to be. Our friends at work, our neighbours, we pray for them. Uh, and so we pray that in the world right now, something of your grace would be known. We pray that that grace might be something that we are enabled to live out. We pray that more than ever, 
we would live our lives today shaped by you and not necessarily shaped alone by the world around us. More than ever, we can pray, give us today what we desperately need, our food. We pray that you would give medical capabilities and wisdom and skill to those who are called to serve. We are so thankful across the world in our country for those working in hospitals, for those working in care situations, for those who are willing um, to risk themselves for the sake of others, who are willing to continue and to put themselves in uh, uncertain locations so that others might be helped. Father, we pray for them. We thank you for that astounding common grace that we see. We thank, the, thank you that you're working in ways through people around us. And so we pray that again and again, we might see glimpses of heaven in this terribly difficult time. Give us your wisdom, we pray. We might be tempted to do many things. We might be tempted to say many things, uh, but we pray for your wisdom. We thank you that we can be together like this. We thank you for your church. We thank you for your church in the scape, which is meeting now. We thank you for your church around Yorkshire in this country and around the world. We pray that we might be conscious that you are working among your people. We pray for our own um, church group. We pray for our friends who perhaps are fearful. May we be caring people at this time. May we show our love to each other. And as we spend this time together, Father, we pray that your word, a word that lives, a word that speaks today, might be written into our minds, into our hearts, so that we might leave this virtual place strengthened by you. We often pray that we know that your Holy Spirit is amongst us when we meet together and nothing has changed in that way. We believe that your Holy Spirit is with us now and so we turn to you and place our trust in you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Paul. Um, it's so good to pray together, isn't it? Um, such a blessing that we can do that. Um, thanks so much for uh, all your five words that are coming in. Have a read, in them, a read of them in the comments section. There, there's some really, really good ones there. Um, we want to just keep that, uh, that feeling of church and the idea of sharing stories and testimony together. Um, we're about to, uh, I was going to say sing a song together. I don't know if you'll sing or not. I certainly won't sing, just in case you hear me. <laughs> um, but if you want to sing in your living room or in the kitchen, wherever you're listening to this or watching it, um, feel free to sing along um, as we're about to play that recently, uh, in a moment. Our song was chosen by um, one of our congregation this week. Um, it was chosen by Liz. And this is what Liz says about the song that she's chosen. My fave is Blessed Be Your Name. We had it at our wedding, but when we were trying for kids for years, it became a lesson in how to praise God, regardless of what life throws at us. I read a book years ago called The Heavenly Man about a Chinese pastor who was imprisoned, but he literally sang God, praises to God in the cesspool. I feel like the ongoing challenge in my life is how to focus on the constancy, love and stability of God and seek refuge in him when storms are raging in. Hope you enjoy this song. Thanks Liz for that. Blessed be your name in the land that is planned 
Where your streams of abundance flow Blessed be your name Blessed be your name When I'm found in the desert place Though I walk through the wilderness Blessed be your name Every blessing you pour out all time back to praise. And when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name when the sun is shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road, my with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Yes, Lord. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glory.
um, for the next th um, three weeks or so. By the way, that song is the perfect song, isn't it? Just for the moment. Um, to say that we're going to bless, or we're able to bless God's name, no matter what's um, going on. It's a song that you can you sort of want to sing because you, <clears throat> you want it and you believe it, but at the same time, it's a challenge, isn't it? Um, for the next three weeks, we're going to be spending time uh, looking at the Easter story. So there are, I'm calling the a kind of a mini-series, uh, Food for Thought. So there's three meals, really, that um, you read about in, in John's Gospel. We're going to be in John. So you can, you've got the the anointing at Bethany we're going to look at today in chapter 12. If you skip on a little bit, actually, if you if you want to read along with us, if you read about half a half a chapter from chapter 12 in, then you'll get to, roughly speaking, you'll get to um, Resurrection Sunday about the same time as we'll get there um, from church. Uh, so if you want to do that, that might be a helpful thing for you to do. So there's, it's food for thought and it's three meals in the Easter story, so it's pretty easy to remember. So it's this, the anointing at Bethany, it's the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, where Jesus washes the disciples' feet, and it's the, the breakfast with Peter right at the end of John's book. Um, so th three meals, and you can read along with us if you want. And we're just gonna be trying to pull out a, f a few truths. Actually, when John, when John writes his book, he tells the story, of the passion of the Easter story, it's not just that he wants us, certainly if, if you read the first 18 verses of chapter one, his, his prologue, it's a beautiful little prologue, so maybe it's worth reading that if you wanna sort of dig around a little bit deeper at John's story. He doesn't just want us to think about Easter as being, you know, to reflect, oh, I need to be more sacrificial or I need to turn over a new leaf. When you read the first 18, 18 verses of John's book, he suggests that this is the story that that needs to make sense of everything. Everything in your life. All your moral conundrums, all your big philosophical quandaries, all your personal disillusionments, all of that stuff is wrapped up uh, in who Jesus is in the Easter story. So if you're a Christian, yeah, think about this. Think about this more, more deeply. And if you're not, if you're somebody who's kind of stumbled upon on this message or you're kind of just working stuff through in your head ask you know a good question to ask over the next three weeks does this does the way i've got the world viewed make complete sense or is it possible that the easter story makes more sense of things so uh, with that in mind let's turn to god's word and let's um read through john chapter 12 um, verse 1 through to 11, if you could read with me. So this is a chance for you. If you're sat at home, if you're a Christian, yeah, we Christian family, or you're sat there watching the TV, um, grab you can grab your Bible if you want, and you can have a look at this. Uh, but if you don't have one of those in your home, yeah, there you go. It's up on the, on the TV or your phone or whatever in front of you. It says this. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about half a litre of pure nard, if you don't know what that means, uh, we'll get back to it in a minute, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet, and she wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Uh, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth, hang on to this for perfume, it was worth a year's wages. Bit of insight on Judas here from verse 6. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should have this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus 
whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. You've got to try and imagine this scene. I mean, I think you, I can't help but imagine this scene. As I see it, this must be like one of one of histories, if it's all true. So I, I, I think that it's true. I believe that it's true. It, it must be one of history's most poignant, beautiful mealtime event things ever. Jesus, follow the narrative, Jesus rocks up in Bethany and Bethany straight away, and I think this is how it went in these times, it, it threw a party. So, I mean, I don't know if they knew Jesus was coming, but it sort of feels like maybe they had a, a sense he was coming, but whether they did or they didn't, they threw the party straight away. And of course they did. This town, so if you want to read back, read back um, chapter 11, tells a bit more of the story. This town had just mourned the death of this guy, Lazarus. It sounds like, sounds like he was a popular guy. Sounds like he was dearly missed. Sounds like people really cared for him. Sounds like people watched him ill and really grieved and went through the grieving process. And saw him pass away. And now, get this in this story. This is why it's so beautiful. He's he sat there. He sat there with with Jesus, who raised him up. And not not only that. So if you read um, read along in Mark's account of this, it might be a question to ask for later. There's you know this this account is recorded a few times. which covers it slightly differently. The host of this party is a guy called Simon the leper. So you've got to assume. If you're going to go to his party, he's probably not still got leprosy. He's been cured by Jesus. So this party, you've got, well, you've got Simon the leper, who's probably going to be in a pretty good place. You know, he's probably going to be pretty happy about life. Probably going to be pretty chuffed to see Jesus. Sounds like it's a pretty awesome party anyway. And sat across the table is Lazarus, who really ought to be dead and was dead, and yet he's there. Can you, can you, can you imagine the chat? Can you imagine? The feel of this place, like like for us in a couple of months, once this coronavirus is, has passed, can you imagine what the, you know, we're going to have a blast, aren't we? The the meals are going to be amazing. We're going to, I mean, I'm an introvert, but I'm going to be up for a hug. It's going to be a time of real passion, a time of real, like, being so thankful that we can make eye contact again and see each other again. Can you imagine, can you imagine the chat at this party? If that's how it's, I mean, we've got Facebook and Skype and stuff, so we can kind of see each other now. It's still going to be pretty awesome when it's all done, having folks around again. But can you imagine the post-death chat at this table? This is this is going to be an amazing party. But at the same time, so it's it's magical. It's a beautiful party. But at the same time, there's an undercurrency of of tragedy behind behind the scenes of all this. The death warrant is out for Jesus. That. The raising Lazarus of the dead was just too much for the leaders of Israel at the time. They just couldn't handle it. His fame was too big. Too many people were following him. He was too much of a threat uh, to them and their way of doing things. So the death warrant was out for him and and for Lazarus. And at the same time, the disciples I mean, were wrestling with it, maybe trying to figure it out. But Jesus was heading towards his own death. So there's this, it's like a beautiful thing. But it's a tragic thing as well. And in the middle, in the middle of this party, in the middle of this moment, in these heightened, anxious times, the true colours of two of his followers. So we're going to kind of zoom in on two of his followers at the moment. The true colours of two of his followers are revealed. First of all, Mary. What does it say about Mary? She's, She's just... In the chapter before, she's watched her brother Lazarus. Lazarus is her brother. She's she's watched him die, and she's seen Jesus. Um, and she's kind of begged for him to come, and then having having him come and healed Lazarus, she's she's now got his presence in front of her, and she's just somewhere in the middle of this party. She gets overcome with emotion. She gets. I'm going to say the word carried away, but it's not really carried away. She gets swept along with it and she grabs hold of some nard. She grabs hold of this nard, which is this big fragrance. Now, don't think when you think nard, don't think, don't think like Estee Lauder. Don't think something I might buy, like some Beckham product. Think 
30 grand's worth of security. Think in a bottle, in an alabaster jar. Think a Mercedes that you might buy. Think life savings. Think that kind of thing. And she grabs hold of this bottle. Everyone's kind of looking in and she smashes it down. Oh, she smashes it down. She opens it up. You've got to smash it to, to break it out. And she, at the same time as the, she does this, she lets her hair down. Which might not mean loads to us. But in these times, it's quite a brazen thing to do. She lets her hair down and she pours on Jesus' feet this perfume. And she wipes it with her hair. Everybody's looking in. This party, this meal... Already, I think, pretty awesome. Just with the 30 grand investment, the 30 grand that she pours into it becomes, I think, the party. You know, the party in these times, you know, for hundreds of years. And Judas, so this is the other character. So that's Mary. She pours her heart out. She's blown away. Judas gets into a rage. Why? Why is he in a rage? This story, this story is about where we find our security. Judas, you see, was, he was dipping his hand into the pot. That's what the passage tells us. His income, his security for the next little while in these uncertain times was completely blown. And this nard that you could look at as a bit of a family nest egg, a bit of a bit of a buffer, I guess that's how Judas would have seen it, has been smashed up and it's gone and he's raging mad. I think it's amazing. I think it's, it's amazing. It's interesting. It's shocking perhaps that despite all of the miracles, like despite this miracle meal that Judas has just seen, despite all of the miracles that Judas has seen Jesus do, that he places so much security Maybe all of his security is still in the money tin. That's what's broken him. And we kind of look on him. It's Judas, isn't he? We see the baddie. But I think that's one of those things that's really easy to do. We'd, we we would say, perhaps, if you're a Christian, we would say that we walk with God. And we place all our security, even though we walk with him, in our house, in our savings, in our status, in our kids' in our stuff it's like we look at him damning in a sense but at the same time this is this is what it means to be alive a lot of the time one of the things i think been so interesting i mean it's been so tough these last couple of weeks but it has been insightful with regard to what humans are like and i think one of the things that corona's perhaps revealed or is beginning to teach us is just how risky it is to place all of our hope in our stuff and just how vulnerable how vulnerable we're always going to be this is just a this is a bug this is a bug that's all it is it's a bug and yet there is almost nothing that we can do no brexit no borders you know no grand plans we are at its mercy at the mercy of a book we are kind of always vulnerable and i guess if you think it through to its end when you consider what humans are in this world in this cosmos that's how you think if you think we're just like an accidental bunch of atoms that have got stuck together and we live on a ball of dust and gas kind of planet that's whirling around the solar system just waiting to break up again and explode one of the things you've got to think about is the fact that we're always going to be vulnerable. And maybe even think security is going to be impossible, really. Or it's going to have to be dependent on something bigger. You see what Mary had in this story? Mary had hope in something bigger. Her security wasn't in the money tin, even in these moments. It was completely... She'd seen Jesus raise a brother from the dead and all her hopes and all her security were seen in this thing, which must have been a bigger thing, this miracle. And it was born out in her faith. So in her moment of like terror, of fear, 
she could still act with complete confidence. She didn't worry about the future. She didn't worry about the money. She she could embrace the moment and worship her saviour. One of the nice quotes I've seen on Facebook this week says, though the story is scary, you don't need to worry about how the chapter ends when you know that the author is good. Though the story is scary, you don't need to worry about how this chapter ends when you know that the author is good. And it is a scary story. I guess Peter, Peter might put it like this. Peter might say, you don't need to worry about the storm that you're in. If the guy who's captaining in your boat is the guy who calms the sea. This is the first first thing I think that we see in the story through the eyes of Mary. Is that you've got to, if you want security, you've got to have your faith in something bigger. Security is about where you place your faith. That's number one. The other thing that I think this story is about I think it tells us about what faith is, maybe even what worship is, but I think what faith is. This is the this is the last this is the last thing, so hang on in there. Try and think through what all all of the all of the preconceptions, all of the ideas you've got about what faith is, all of the things that form our view on Christianity, living in a Christian country, all of our denominational little nuances, attending church, following the rules, following the commandments, being good, this kind of thing. All of the things that we kind of think that shapes what faith is. And then look look at what it is here in this story. It's this woman who's moved by thankfulness. Humbly kneeling at her saviour's feet. Boldly, fearlessly letting down her hair. And being happy to blow her future inheritance. But it's even more than that. I think what you see is her faith declaring Jesus and declaring who Jesus is. You see the next day in the story, after Jesus has had the supper at Bethany, as he's making his way to Jerusalem on his donkey, he's still covered with the smell of this ointment see what she did her faith and as and as and as he as he makes his way up the hill they welcome him this is the king this is the messiah her act of service her act of faithfulness her anointing declares him as king to the whole world that's watching that's what Mark would go on to tell us. Jesus says that everyone's going to remember this. Everyone's going to remember what this woman has done. That's what faith is. Her act of faithfulness declared him king. That's that's what faith is for us. It's declaring him, our saviour king, with what we've got in every circumstance. That's really all that she does. She looks what's to hand. She thinks about what she's got and in that moment she makes him. She makes him so that everybody in the room, everybody in the world would see later on that he's king. That's what faith is. Think about that over these next few weeks. If you're a family stuck in together, rethinking uh, what family life is like, like reworking it out, which is I think what loads of us are doing. Think about that and in those times, think about how you can declare him kids. You declare him king. Having enough time in these next few weeks. We've probably got enough time to watch all of the Netflix series that are ever going to come. You know, everything that's ever been on, you can kind of gobble it all up. But yet think about how with all this time that we've got, we can declare him king. Or think about, you know, maybe you're one of these people who've got absolutely no time. And actually the stresses in your life are huge and real and the fears are real. Think about how we can declare him king. About people living with, I guess maybe as a society just now, we're living with, there's lots of us living with real worries, real security fears. Worrying about our future wages, worrying about our mortgages, being able to pay our mortgages, all that kind of thing. In these times, we declare him king. 
and Saviour. The next chapters of these few weeks, few months, are going to be scary, I think. But the author is good. We can trust him. We can even smash open our alabaster boxes and worship him. Even now, we're going to um, listen to a, sh a song by the Wren Collective uh, that might just help us think about some of these things. And then we're going to have a, a few questions. broken at your feet like an alabaster drum every piece of who I am laid before your majesty I will bow my life at your feet, at your feet. My lips, so lost for words, will kiss your feet, kiss your feet. Yeah. of you draws my soul unto its knees I will never be the same I am lost and found in you and I will bow my life at your feet, at your feet. My lips, so lost for us, will kiss your feet, kiss your feet. I will bow my life, oh, I
Hi everyone, um, I hope you're finding this time helpful. Um, I certainly am. Um, not only is it nice to be with you, but it's nice to hear um, the testimonies that we've heard. Um, it was great to hear Liz's testimony and um, nice to be uh, reminded um, from God's word about what what life is, is all about. There are some things that uh, you might want to chat about just now. And uh, if you do, can I encourage you to start asking your questions on the Facebook Live feed or via our email um, or Twitter. Um, and Ash and Paul are going to join me in just a second and we can discuss some of the things about that passage that we've just uh, been hearing about together. But can I also just mention that if there's some things that um, have been brought to your attention today, maybe some things that have really um, kind of drawn on your heartstrings or just kind of unsettled your mind a little bit, um, the pastoral team is around all week. Ash and I are, are both available. Um, and if you wanted to text messages or phone us or arrange a time that would kind of mutually be convenient, then please do get in touch with either Ash or myself, or you can get in touch through the hello at xchurch.org.uk page um, and uh, yeah, catch us there. We, we want to look after one another. Um, so uh, please get in touch. Um, Ash and Paul, do you want to, do you want to join me on, on screen? Yep, I want to yep, join you on screen. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, gents. Um, Ash, thanks for that. That was really helpful. Um, yeah, that's great. Really Happy to help. Good things to be uh, reminded of. Um, and I'm sure some people have some questions. I, I should just say um, that this is probably how we're going to end our session together. So um, this kind of little time of chat and questions and things like that, we would love you to join us, love you to send your questions in. If you're busy and you've got things to do, um, then that's fine. If you want to kind of uh, leave us at this point, uh, we, we won't feel bad. <laughs> we, won't know, we won't know. <laughs> we might not even know. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, but if you want to join us for this time as questions, we're just trying to unpack this this little section of, of the Bible together, then, then, then please do. Um, yes, and, and there's some questions coming through. I'm going to come to that that's really helpful that the questions are coming through. So I'm going to come to that in a, a little minute. Um, guys, I wonder if you could just unpack this idea of anointing um, out for us. It's not really something that we um, that we hear a lot of. Like, I can't remember the last time I heard of somebody being anointed. Is this like an, a Bible thing? It, I think the Queen's anointed when she became Queen. What, what is it all about? Can you Can you explain that to us a little bit? Yeah, so so anointing certainly in the ancient world was was a wider practice, but but was really important through the storyline of the Bible. Um, and Ash, you you raised the point that understanding the the message of Jesus is it's captured at the beginning of John, where John describes how Jesus is the centre, and Jesus is described as the Jesus Christ, Christ the anointed one. Christ means the anointed one. Um, the Hebrew for that is Messiah. So in the Old Testament, there were three categories of people who were anointed. Uh, the priests were anointed, the king was anointed, and prophets were anointed. Uh, and so the anointed one that Jesus is, when he's described as that, and, and all of the Bible is anticipating in the Old Testament the coming of the Messiah, the, the Christ. It's saying that he's the anointed one. But it doesn't describe specifically whether he's the king or the priest or the prophet, which means that actually he's all of those. He's the ultimate anointed one. He's the one that all of those who've gone before, who could only be one of them, was seen in Jesus ultimately, who becomes the ultimate pro prophet, priest, and king. And uh, I guess 
we don't see it anymore. I think our yeah, I think Jude, I think you're right. Our our coronation carries anointing, but I think that that's probably because of our Christian heritage as a country, and it's kind okay. of pushing back into that idea, mm-hmm. remembering that. But yeah, Jesus is the one who's who's promised and fulfills completely prophet, priest, and king. I think we do. I wonder if we do look to anoint one though. I know we don't we don't get any oil out anymore. <laughs> or expensive perfume. Or expensive perfume, but I think we do look to exalt people in that same way in the hope that they can fix everything. I think we do that. Yes. I think like fo- football culture does that all the time. We're desperate to anoint a messiah who can fix everything. Okay. And even politically we do the same thing, but actually I think I think one of the great things about this story, one of the reasons the gospel gives us hope is because we don't Jesus doesn't let down at any point. It feels like when you read the story of the Bible, if you can get through the Old Testament, by the time you get to Jesus, there is this, oh, thank goodness, this is the guy, you know, that we can anoint safely mm-hmm. and not worry that he's mm-hmm. going to mess this up because it's clear in, in who he is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that... and, and then the amazing thing is that, that Jesus ends up not looking like the one who was worth anointing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, because he he ends up being prophet, priest, and king in in an eternal way, rather than a temporary way, and I think that that's that's where in we continue. To, yeah, yeah, that's where we continue to struggle, don't we? We're we're looking for someone to anoint, mm-hmm. and they're always temporary people. So this is this is interesting because it ties in a little bit with some of the questions we're getting through the Facebook feeds. You know, for us as people of faith, we do see Jesus as and God as the the perfect Savior, even in His meekness, and we see Him as loving, and we see Him as as our solution or Savior, and yet I think what people are saying is that there's a there's a tension there because when we try and explain this to others who maybe don't share our faith, it's really difficult for them to see God as loving rather than a God who creates this suffering. Do you know? So maybe in the especially in these times with the, the coronavirus and things, actually to explain that God is loving us through this feels really difficult when we see actually the suffering of, of humanity. Can how um how, how can you help us reconcile that or is there kind of words of advice that you could give people who are trying to articulate what what their faith means in these times yeah i mean it at the end of the day it's faith isn't it that's that's the one thing to say is do we have faith in this jesus who's been revealed as the son of god um and in these really, really trying, difficult times, then some people are going to have a faith which leans into that. And some people are going to not be helped by that. And so part of me would want to say, well, let, let's just imagine for a minute that, that there isn't a God and Jesus doesn't exist as the son of God. That then we're not in any different place with the worries and fears that we have right now. There isn't anything that we can look to. Um, And so by by stating the hope of a God beyond this life, an eternal God, a God who will help from outside of us, we're saying, well, we're looking to something because there's nothing that we can do to help at the moment and and then remembering i guess that god never designed for the world to be in this place you know the world that he described and designed was a world where there wasn't any death pain or suffering Um, and so he's redeeming us and sometimes that's sometimes that's that hard task of realizing that we've got nowhere to go but to him yeah that, I think I ash, that, that is something that ash kind of alluded to in his talk didn't it having faith in something bigger than yourself um, yeah I, th- I think that actually works out as five words having faith in something bigger which is did you plan that ash 
You're on mute, Ash. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to make a big deal of it, but yeah, that was, that was, it was definitely I was, planned. Definitely I was hoping planned. somebody would pick up on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So distraction, but just that idea of having something faith and bigger. That I guess that's a choice to make, isn't it? In terms of faith, we choose to put our faith in God as something bigger, and see the world kind of um, th- through that lens. Yeah, um, and I think in Judas we see how incredibly easy it is to not to yeah. not see through that lens. In fact, I think through most of like Judges, most of the Old Testament stories, it's incredible how quick it is to not have that lens, no matter how grand your experience can be of God and how brilliantly He's rescued you in the past and how big you've seen Him. Um, I think that's one of the lessons that we lose sight of Him very quickly mm. um, and, don't, and don't continue to look at Him in that way. And I guess maybe you you keep looking in that way. You can you keep being able to see him in that way by leaning on him and depending on him. You know, and I probably say in in the in the midst of this this crisis, it will be quite refining for lots of us in that we either give up on him or that we you know we lean on him some more and learn something more of him in it. Okay, um, we we've uh, kind of been on air for about an hour now, um, and and we don't want to make you guys uh, um, tired of us. <laughs> we want you to come back for more more next week. So we'll maybe just take uh, one more question, and then uh, wrap things up from there. Um, let let's go for this question: Is it significant that an individual uh, human anoints Jesus? Um, and is it, do you guys have any thoughts on, on that one? Yeah, really quickly. Um, if we look at um, the other accounts um, of, of this particular incident, so both uh, Matthew and Mark, they talk about the head of Jesus being anointed mm-hmm. at this moment. And yet John talks specifically about the feet of Jesus being anointed. I think that's really at the heart of it, the other two are wanting to say something about Jesus, and John is wanting to say something about Mary, where Mary's heart is. Uh, and so Mary's heart is to humble herself before the one who raised her brother from the dead. Uh, I think that that's, that's where her heart is, and so it's significant, not because mary specifically anointed jesus's feet but because mary becomes an emblem for us of where where we need to be trusting in him and uh, i noticed that was one of the questions that came through what somebody said well what's my what's my five words so i've been i was working this i was working this out earlier just in case you asked me okay uh glad you prepped i was ready <laughs> so i, th- I think Right at the heart of this, this is what Mary would say. She would say, I know my Redeemer lives. Um, she knows that Jesus is the hope of life. Um, and that's where her heart is. That's why her anointing the feet of Jesus is speaking about where she is. I, I, I love that. Just that testimony of Mary, really, of just like... You know, um, her, her, uh, she's seen her brother raised from the dead, and mm. man, wouldn't you love to sit down with her after she'd seen that Jesus had been raised from the dead either? Like, I'm yeah. not sure she could sit down. She'd just be so excited and so, yeah. um, just like buzzing, like life yeah. completely changed, transformed, and yet that revelation of the fact that Jesus is the one who has power over the grave who defeated death in for Lazarus but defeated death himself that opportunity is still there for us to have that revelation which yeah. is just, it's incredible isn't it that we we have um we have the opportunity to live that buzzing life that Mary did mm. knowing the resurrecting um power of Jesus yeah. Okay, guys, maybe that's uh, a good place to finish today. Um, Thanks to Ash um, and to Paul. Thanks to the tech team who uh, keep us on air. Um, We are so grateful to them. Thanks to all your comments. 
we so appreciate you getting in touch um, with us. It really, it means a lot. Um, thanks to the people who have contributed music and things. And please don't stop getting in touch once we get off here. Um, please continue to get in touch with us um, and share in this experience together and look after one another and kind of be there together for one another. Um, so uh, God bless you guys. And uh, we hope to see you again soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. See you later. Bye.